Good morning, New Song. It's great to see all your smiling faces here today. Uh, my name is Peter Tridy. This is my wife, Linda. I am Linda. Well, thank you. Did we do a better thank job you. coordinating today? I don't know. I give up. <laughs> I really do. But we're back this week. You know, it's funny. When we dress for uh, whatever the occasion may be, my first concern is comfort. I don't pay that much attention to colors and things like that. So comfort is, is my well, primary today, concern. today, comfort was my big thing. So <laughs> it's all good. Anyways, good morning. All right. Well, uh, it's great to have you all here today. Um, you know, just uh, to kind of put things in perspective, um, we're here to worship today. And uh, we are a community of believers, and uh, we as a church have a mission, and that is that we wish to be transformed by the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus, love people, and do good. And if, uh, if, you are, um, if that makes sense to you and you're uh, taking part in that, great. And if not, then let's talk about it. You know, there's always uh, good things to, to discuss when it comes to our faith. And what that means and, you know, our world experience, our life experience, and what that, um, how that all plays out. And, uh, you know, that's one of the amazing things about, that I find with, with Christianity and the body of Christ is there's so much variety. And, uh, you know, God is revealing himself in, in unique ways to, to all of us. So, anyway, uh, that's what we're here for. Yes. Do you want to talk about Connect Cards and that stuff? Sure, I can do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> If you uh, may not be uh, a regular here, we'd love to get to know more about you. So in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says connect on it. Um, we'd love to uh, connect with you. That's why it's called that. So if, uh, if you haven't done so before, fill one of those out, and uh, that's just a way that then we can get to know you a little bit better. Um, there's also in that seat back a prayer card. And uh, that's another um, thing that we do here at New Song that we're very um, passionate about is prayer. Um, we've found unique ways to connect each other in, uh, in, in when a prayer request is made known. Um, we can send you a text. We can send you an email. Um, or we might just tell you in passing to be praying for someone or for a particular need. And um, so uh, if you have a particular prayer request, we'd love to... Uh, uh, to be able to lift that up to, to the Lord on your behalf. So feel free to fill out one of those prayer cards. Yes. Um, now, next week, we have another New Song Explored gathering. Um, it's next Sunday, the 30th, at 1145 to 145. Um, you know, whether you've been around New Song for years or if you're fairly new to New Song, um, this is your chance to come have some lunch together and hear about things like the, his, the history of New Song and our, our mission and our vision and our ministries here, how we're connecting with our community around us. Um, yeah, and so much more. So um, we would encourage you to come and participate in that. Again, it's next Sunday after church. Um, I am going to have with me after service this clipboard, and I'm going to be outside. And if you are interested in doing this, please come and sign up. Um, we do need to get a count for the lunch for next week. Um, but we would also love to know who all is going to be there. So come and sign up. 
All right, and uh, men, you may remember last week we talked about this Sunday night, tonight, this is Sunday, Sunday. so Sunday night, tonight, Uh, men's uh, men's gathering at the uh, Glendora Marketplace, Um, five o'clock, come hang out, just, um, it's a good chance to to get to know each other. Um, I usually find when I go to one of those that, you know, I try to sit down to somebody that I don't know very well and just get to know them a little bit better, so it's just a great uh, chance to connect, so... Um, we would welcome you uh, to come to that at 5 o'clock. Stay as long as you like, and uh, we'll have a good time. Yeah. All right, well, this next one I am really excited about because I am an admin geek. It's our annual member meeting. <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic. I'm really excited about it. <laughs> um, no, it is our annual member meeting where we come and we hear all about our budgeting goals for the next fiscal year. And we also hear ministry updates. And so it's just a really good time to know kind of where we just come from um, and where we're going. So um, if you are already a member, we would highly encourage you to come to this. um, As two weeks after that, we're gonna have a vote on the budget and the goals. Um, But if you are not a member, we would welcome you to come. You know, we're very transparent with what we do here. And so we would just encourage anybody to come. We would love to see you there. Um, but stay tuned for more details over the next few weeks. Um, yeah. All right. And uh, if you, um, we've talked a little bit already about the act of worship that we're, we're here to do this morning. And that, that takes many different forms. It takes the form of singing. It takes the form of prayer. Uh, takes the form of fellowship, um, takes the form of teaching and learning, um, but it also takes the form of giving and uh, being a part of, uh, you know, the, the ministries that are going on here at New Song. So um, I would just encourage you to consider participating uh, financially in the things that we do here at New Song. There's different ways that you can do that. There's some up on the screen, and um, there's also an envelope in the seat back in front of you. Um, there's a box out and back if you want to, if, that, if that's the most convenient way uh, for you to do that. But I just encourage you to consider how um, you can, you know, be a, a, more of a participant here at New Song. And uh, it's just another um, opportunity uh, to worship our Lord. Uh, would you uh, join me in prayer right now? Heavenly Father, God, we are um, so grateful to, um, to be able to join here together on a Sunday morning, Lord, to, uh, to be among brethren, to be among those that um, are uh, widely known as your bride. And uh, Father, um, I know that as, as a church family, we have many experiences. We have times to grieve. Um, we have times of joy. Uh, God, but these are all things that you... Uh, participate in with us as we walk through this life in preparation for the next. So, Father, I pray that uh, today that you would um, just draw us together as a community. God, I'm thankful for each person that's here. Um, God, we're also thankful for Grant and his leadership uh, as our lead pastor. And uh, God, I pray that as he uh, comes today to uh, teach us from the Word, God, that you would... um, Give, give his words strength and, uh, and clarity, and we just thank you, God, for, um, 
for the ways that you care for us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're all here. Um, just want to say, first of all, thank you for cards, uh, letters, uh, words of support for Rona, our family. Uh, most of you know we've had quite a few bereavements all, uh, this year already. Uh, I wasn't here last week. We were up in Olympia uh, for doing uh, Rona's mum's memorial service. So just thank you. It feels really, I just, I do often wonder how anyone gets through the hard things in life without a community without a family, and particularly a family of faith. So just want to say thank you so much. Um, you know, the world is full of a lot of struggle, a lot of suffering right now. So I just ask us all, you know, keep praying for the conflicts around the world. Sudan is blowing up right now. A lot of people are really suffering. Um, so we remember to pray not just for ourselves uh, or our nation, but this whole world. Uh, we are so connected and there are followers of Jesus everywhere and we are one with them. Uh, their, their griefs are our griefs, their joys are our joys, and we care about this world that God cares about. So thank you for caring about our family. Um, so I've got an exciting um, thing to reveal today. I've been working really hard. You know, I'm very technical, as you know, into engineering and science and electronics and stuff like that. So uh, at great expense and with uh, incredible skill, I've created my very own lie detector <laughs> machine. And uh, so I was thinking about who could be a volunteer for the, for the you know, maiden voyage, and I thought, who better than my wife, Rona? <laughs> so Rona's going to come up, and we're going to try this machine out and see if, uh, see if it works. Yeah, yeah for Rona. <clears throat> so Rona, this is a microphone. For, oh, you put your helmet on first. Yeah, this is <laughs> it's some fancy equipment here. Yeah, strap in. There's your microphone. Okay, um, let's see. So, um, by the way, I, I will rent this out to any parents who want to strap their kids into it later. Uh, um, so let's just try a couple of things, okay, just to see this thing works. Uh, Rana, uh, are you indeed my wife? Yes. Okay, good. So the light will come on. If she's lying, the light will stay off if she's telling the truth. Is that your natural hair color? Yes. Okay, it works so far anyway. Okay, so we're just going to clear something up because Rona's name is not maybe easy to remember, right? So I'm going to say, is your name Rona? No. Okay, is your name Rhonda? No. Okay, is your name Rona? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, have you ever, any time in your life, changed your name to Helga Philpot? No. Are you sure about that? No. Okay. So, I think you're lying. I, I know for a fact, because I've seen your, like, middle school... Schoolwork daughters with Helga Philpot written all over. There's a story she can tell you later. Um, do you always enjoy coming to church? Yes. You're a liar. It's being honest, keeping it real. Okay, uh, last two questions. Do you know that I love you? 
Yes. Okay. Okay, do you know that I would do anything in my power for your welfare? Yes. Okay. Thank you for participating. What? Three. So, lie detectors are an, in, they're an interesting device, um, which they work because um, when we are trying to, we know something isn't true and we're trying to say that it is true, our, regardless of what our words are saying, our bodies, there's some reaction, whether it's a, an increased pulse or sweaty hands, whatever it might be, or, you know, whatever that, that helmet thing was doing. Um, <laughs> And it, it, can, it can reveal, it's quite difficult to beat lie detectors, and I heard it is kind of possible if you can just bury your convictions so deep down, but you know, our bodies kind of betray what we believe, really actually believe to be true. Uh, and today the message in Hebrews pressing on is called our confession, uh, which led to me thinking about this whole concept of telling the truth of what do you believe, and, 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 and it's, this is the, the story today. The, the writer to Hebrews, we, the, the writer who wrote Hebrews, which is to, we don't really know the audience, we don't necessarily know the occasion or the date or the, even the author. Clearly, there's lots of guesses about that, but what we do know from the, from the book is, which is really a long sermon, is that the people he, to whom he was writing were struggling uh, with all kinds of issues and trials and challenges, and they were feeling really discouraged, and they were feeling like quitting this Jesus thing. And he wants... In this passage we're going to read in a minute, he wants his friends, after having this three chapters of talking about who Christ is and what he has done, he wants them to have a full and growing confidence in their confession about Jesus, to know what is true deep down in all circumstances. Kind of like muscle memory, by repetition, it's something that becomes part of us, that becomes natural to us. Like learning to play, who, who tried to learn to, play, learn to play piano when they were a kid? Anyone learn piano? Okay, keep your hand up if you did finish learning piano, and if you quit, put your hand down. Right, but remember that, like, oh, my teacher was mean. And, um, uh, you know, but it's all about muscle memory. You learn to do something. Um, I, I mentioned before that Ron and I learned to scuba dive at one point, uh, and it's very, very important to learn something so that no matter what happens, especially in a scary moment, you have practiced so often this procedure, these hand signals to tell your partner that I'm, I can't breathe, can I, you know, do this, and you say, can I buddy breathe with you, um, that it can save your life. And this is the kind of thing that this writer wants them to come to own, to possess this confession of faith that is true and deep. So let's read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 to 16 will be on the screen for you, or you can look in your Bible or your uh, electronic device. Um, okay, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our confession. Hold fast to this confession. 
And here's the thing about this confession. It is not, he's not telling us that it's based on our strength or our power or our wisdom, but simply an affirmation and a receiving, a reception of what has already been done for us and what is available to us now. So three sections, it kind of splits up into three parts, and really these are, they're these. What we have, what we lack, and what we can receive. So the first thing is, what does he say that we have? Well, he says we have a great high priest, but more than that, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of God. He, he said this earlier on in chapter 3, if you want to look back there, chapter 3, verse 1. This is us. the second time he said this, pretty much the same thing. In chapter 3, he said, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. These things are inseparable. We have a confession because we have a high priest. Well, what is a high priest? Well, it's something from the story of the Jewish people and the people of God in the Old Testament. And the high priest was someone who was selected from among the ranks of the priests who once a year in the Day of Atonement would go alone into the most holy of places, which was an awesome thing to do. And he would offer, as a representative of the people, sacrifices to atone for their sin for that year. Well, the author's telling us that Jesus is our great high priest. That is a special title. He is the great high priest. He's the final priest. He is the one who offers the perfect sacrifice of himself, and he is the one who connects us. It says, went through the heavens. He is with God. He is God. He's also with us. He is human, fully, completely, perfectly human. And that's why he is this perfect high priest for us, because he's our representative, but he is also the one who gives us his grace and forgiveness and gave his own life. You know, the priest would do these things. He would come face to face with, with the presence of God in the temple, but he would also be face to face with the people. And Christ represents that as our high priest. He is face to face with God and face to face with us. He is our connection. This is what we have. And this is remarkable. Melody last week spoke about this passage about the, God, the word of God is living and active. Who, got, who geeked out with about Chris's sword? I wasn't here. I didn't see it, but I would have geeked out. He had a Lord of the Rings like... Aragorn sword, right? And she said, all these guys were gathering around, like some guy with this hood of his car open, you know, guys gather around, like the sword, and was like, okay, look at your sword. Um, don't encourage him, Melody said. But she, the last verse was kind of scary in that passage where the writer says, no creature is hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give an account. That's quite scary, but this is all changed. This is the wonder of the high priest that is Christ who is atoned for all of our sin. This is an echo. That passage is an echo of what happened in the very beginning of, in Scripture. It talks about uh, Adam and Eve, which simply the word uh, Adam just means man. He's a representative of the human race. And it says, and the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That was our original condition. We were we were naked, open to one another and to God with no shame. That's not the way it is now. We're full of shame. We hide from each other. We hide from God. And this is what this high priest has done. There's this stupid TV show called Naked and Afraid, which is the dumbest thing ever, right? But really, that we're we can be naked, I mean, just intimately in the presence of God, fully and unafraid, unafraid, no more fear. 
Because perfect love casts out fear, and that is what this is. This is perfect love for us. Later on in Hebrews, he's going to say it again. He really cares about this. He's going to say, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That word should have a capital F because there's no faithfulness like the faithfulness of God because he is faithful in himself. Okay, second thing, what we don't have. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. This is a weird word, all right? It's kind of like, well, isn't that kind of convoluted to say, why don't you just say, we have a priest who is able to sympathize with us, but for some reason, the writer says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. And I think that's on purpose to emphasize that we don't have this kind of high priest. It's explicit. There is, imagine this kind of high priest. We don't have that kind of high priest who's unable to sympathize with us. And here's why. Because the writer believes that Christ is the one who has had this confession first as a human being. So his confession is our confession. We echo we seek to echo his confession of trust for God. Oh, but Jesus was God. He had it easy. Well, listen to this. Hebrews chapter 5 says this. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus, fully human, in deep trials, but he called out. This is we echo this confession that he confessed that God was sufficient even in these circumstances. His confession is our confession because he can empathize with us. He has been in our flesh. In fact, God, Christ, the Son of God, remains human. He will always, has, he will always be human. Third thing, what we can receive. Okay, so we've had what we have. We have this incredible ambassador, pioneer, victor, savior, friend, in every way. What we don't have is the opposite, a flaky kind of situation. But So therefore, from that, what can we receive? Well, the writer says, let us then with confidence, first thing, confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, door is open that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Not may as in might, you might receive, but may as in you definitely will. Because of the magnitude of what has been done on your behalf, you are free to come before God with confidence, without fear. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, find grace to help in time of need. What is mercy? What is grace? Mercy is that which is withheld from us, that which we may deserve, that our unrighteousness may deserve, and it is completely withheld. God stays his hand from us completely, and, and, and then grace is what is provided. Grace is this flood, this rush of presence and love and joy from this perfect source of love and joy of life 
When do we need these things? Well, he says, in the time of need. In time of need. The verse before maybe makes a bit more clarity on what that is. Where do these times of need come from? Well, he says in verse 15, our weaknesses, our frail humanity, we are human beings prone to all kinds of weakness, relationally and emotionally and physically and creationally, everything, we are a bit of a mess at times. So we have this source of mercy, which does not respond and act to that which we inevitably find ourselves doing as we fall and stumble and trip and cause problems. It's withheld. We have grace for these times. And this grace is transformative. I was looking at the word weakness, and there's some great resources online. I did a bit of Greek and stuff in seminary, but very little, not enough to like start pontificating. And there'll be someone in the audience going, he's really not really understanding what he's talking about. But there's some great tools, and what they do sometimes is tell you where that other word, that word occurs in the Greek language, and it occurs only in a few other places, the word for weakness. And they're all by the Apostle Paul, who was a man acquainted with his own weakness, when he said things like, I wish I could do the things I want to do, and I can't. I keep doing the things I don't want to do. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he says, thanks be to God, who gives me the victory in Christ, right? Well, So he uses three times this word about weakness. And it was... Um, it, in letters to the church in Corinth, who were a, a group of church people who were having some problems, this letter's full of things saying, like, you guys are really not doing well here. But here's what Paul says about his weaknesses. Because we can often think, like, they're just reasons for shame and guilt and hiding from God. Here's what he says about his weaknesses for which he has grace. On my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. On my own behalf, I will not boast, but I'll boast of my weaknesses. And he said, but, but and he has this issue he's got going on, whether it's sin or whatever it's going on, but he's concerned about it. And he asked God, please take this from me. And he says that God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so the power of Christ may rest upon me. And thirdly, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we have grace. This grace is transformative. It doesn't just give us a bit more courage, a bit more patience, or a bit more like, you know, positive thinking. It completely transforms all of our human brokenness. In God's grace and mercy, weaknesses, are all, they're all part of him transforming us and changing us. They're useful. This God's upside-down kingdom where the where the uh, last will be first, and the weak are the strong ones, the ones who don't have any confidence much in their own power or strength or wisdom or wealth, are the ones who can connect so well in the grace and mercy of God because they understand that they need it. The poor are blessed. Those who mourn are blessed. I got to say, I have experienced that over these past few months in such intimate, beautiful ways in the agonies and pain of losing people I loved, I have encountered the mercy and grace of God in my weakness, and I've realized how frail I am, and how good he is, and how powerful his love is for me and for the people I love. So Rona, where is she gone? I love you. I want to say that again. And you didn't light up that thing, so you believe that? 
Rona, I would do anything in my power for your welfare. And the light didn't light, so you believe that that's true, right? How, do you, how does Rona know that, perhaps? How does she maybe come to think that, that she couldn't fool the lie detector that I spent hours building, <laughs> minutes building this morning? Um, well, because of what I say and what I do, right? Two things. I say, we say I love you all the time. I'm really impressed. My 21-year-old son, I was dropping him off in Seattle back at the house where he's in. His roommates were there, and it's all yeah, cool people, right? And he's like, love you, Dad. I was like, that's cool, you know? I love you, Dad. Um, well, and, and the second thing is because of, uh, hopefully, my behavior, my actions toward her reveal something of my love. Well, it's the very same with God. This is some way that we can, we want to know about this. Is this true? Is this real? So two, two ways, true word, God's true word and God's faithful action. The first is, uh, again, from last week, Melody shared, for the word of God is living and active. Okay, we have a word. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and that's kind of that, right? You know, we, uh, some of the folks here uh, are residents at San Dimas Retirement Center, go SDRC, and we, every Wednesday we go and we have church together, and we have communion, and we, do, we worship, and we have a message, and we, we have a blessing, and, and we hang out, and we chat. And it's fantastic. But every single week, the last song we sing is, Jesus loves me. Right? Every single... And we did it just the first time, and I was just like, no, this is good, man. This reminds us of the simple fact of Christ's love for me. So we do that every single week, and we sing it with heart and passion. Well, then, we were going to the memory care unit a while ago, and then, because of COVID, we were out of there, but we're back again. So we went to the memory care unit, and these are people who are all kinds of dementia and all kinds of issues which causes forgetfulness in their, you know, whatever, whether it's short-term, long-term. Um, but we go there, and we don't, we just, all we do is sing songs. And actually, the, the, the activities director was like, afterwards, like, I'm amazing. It's amazing how were, everyone's like so responsive. And we sang Jesus Loves Me. And every single person, regardless of their condition or situation, were belting that song out. And it moved me to my core that they remember that. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. What about the second one? How in God's action has he shown us that this is true, this is for us? The very beginning, the very first words of Hebrews are this, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And it goes on to talk about this great salvation, this great love that led to action that could not be stopped on behalf of us all. That's what we can tell about. You know, I just got to say that, you know, the comparison of me and my wife with God and us falls very, very short. You know, there's some analogy there, but they're nothing like each other because I am so very imperfect. You know, that like, I was worried for a minute, because she's really honest, because I don't love perfectly, I don't do everything in my power for Rona's welfare, in fact, and I sometimes will think that there's something, I'll be honest here, I don't always do everything that would be for Rona's best, because I am selfish, I am comfort-seeking, 
I'm sometimes lazy. I'm sometimes short-tempered and grumpy. But God is nothing like me. God's only similarity is in Christ. That's God in a way we can understand. You cannot know God except that he has revealed himself in Christ in a form that we can understand. God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. God is nothing like me. God cannot not love us. He would have to, he cannot deny that. He, God cannot not do what is in our best interests. Perfect love and perfect righteousness is who he is. So, we can read the Bible, God's word, right? It's living and active. It's more than just a dry, dusty book. It has a, an effect. I mean, you know, if you want some grace and mercy, start reading the Psalms. We went through them. And you will find some connection there, for sure. Or you can think about what Christ has done for you. But I think sometimes words on a page and a memory of some action that God has done this for us may not be enough to sustain this kind of confession where we would feel deep down in our core that on a daily basis this is true. This is something that sustains my life. And there's three ways that I think we can kind of turn the volume up on this kind of situation. And the first one is experience. The real experience of a relationship that I have with Rona or you guys have with other people is it occurs in the day-to-day relationship. That's how it builds, by seeing one another, by communicating. We live life together. And then, and then my life is transformed by the people around me. And, and my life somehow transforms their lives. It's an experiential thing. We had this, this happens with all good relationships, and it most definitely happens as we pursue a relationship with God through prayer and through worship. And just simple, like, take half an hour and just be quiet and bring yourself before God and listen. Be still. And it will transform, it will start to transform you. I, yesterday we had a beautiful memorial service for Linda's husband, Ed, and we passed the mic around and the sharing that went on in that room about ways that Ed's life had impacted these people in so many various ways was quite stunning. And how much more can the creative, beautiful spirit of God be with us and transform us and affect our lives and change us and have that sense of this is real, just bubble up. We're not messing around here. This is not just wishful thinking. This is not dead religion. This is not a job. This is not just an institutional gathering. This is about life at its most basic foundational reality. There's a God who made us, who loves us, who wants us to have a relationship with him. And the second way we do it, I'm going to invite the band up because this kind of illustrates it. If my, our musicians would come, that'd be great. Um, community is the second one. Community. Um, people with whom you worship. People who will encourage you. I think, I've said many times, I think we get so caught up sometimes in the individualized, personal, vertical of our faith, me and God, that we neglect and have neglected the horizontal beauty and power that is the body of Christ, brothers and sisters together, even those that you get along well with and those that you don't get along so well with. It's all part and parcel of our growing in our confession 
that which perhaps even causes some trouble upon which I have to turn to God and forgive and act in all these ways that, that transform us and make us new. And the third thing is witness. It also happens for us as Rana shares with others about our relationship. When I speak about how much I love my wife, it has an effect on my, my love for her. And I talk about her a lot. Not usually on Sunday mornings, but... So my verbal witness reinforces my confidence in this relationship, and it's the same with God, that we share that which we value. So how do you do this? Maybe this is all kind of new to you, um, and it's a bit scary. I know a lot of people, I think, currently right now, and I have known, for whom it feels like they're just holding back from taking that step. And I know, because I've done it myself, you think you've got to change all these things overnight, and you've got to give up all of your things that you love doing. It's such a, such a lie. You know, this once again illustrating with Ronna and I. We met, and we were not healthy at all. I wouldn't recommend our marriage plan. We had no premarital counseling. We met on tour in Europe. Total wrecks. God was not. He was present, but we were not, you know, doing that thing, right? On paper, everything should have fallen apart. But, you know... We just felt that there was something important, just a, a very small thing, like that we have something here and we want to start this journey. And then God very much became involved in it. And that is what has sustained us. But really, so we, you don't have to go, like even having kids as well, you go, we've got to wait till we're financially secure, whatever that means, right? <laughs> Everything's in place. And then we will, you know, whether through stupidity or through courage, we didn't do that. We're like, what are we doing with our lives anymore? It's not about us anymore. Maybe we should start a family, you know? And bit time, you know, day by day, month by month, God has provided what we needed as we went. Didn't need to be fearful of what was going to happen. I just needed to step on that road. And that's, that's why we say a new song, even for communion. If you want to take this step... You don't have to know all the theology. You just simply have to go. I'm responding to something that's happening inside of me, and I'm sick and tired of the status quo, and I want to change, and I think Jesus is the one with whom I can do this, and I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what he's going to ask me to give up or take up or whatever, right? You don't need to. You simply say yes and let him be the one that gives you mercy and grace and changes you from the inside out. That's what it's about. Jesus said... Matthew records, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That's categorical. Sometimes you wonder, are our prayers working? I tell you, yes, God is listening. God is answering your prayers. No doubt about it. You can't see it. You're human. You can't see it always. But he will never fail to offer his life to you, his mercy and his grace, and he will answer you when you call without fail, because he is faithful. And we have to grasp, he says, grasp onto that confession. For me, again, I have to wake up every morning in my relationship with my wife and go like, I believe she loves me, and I will live out of that confidence and trust. And she has to do the same thing. And that's, that's how we can wake up in the morning and go, God, regardless of what yesterday held and what today is going to hold, 
My basic confidence is that you have got me, and it's not about my power. That's the most wonderful news about this. Our faith and its outcome are not ultimately dependent upon our effort and our work. Sure, he says, hold fast to the confession. There is effort involved in that, but ultimately, God's faithfulness is the greatest part of the equation, and it's not going to be ultimately down to your strength. That's the opposite. It's your understanding that you're weak and you need God is what it's all about. One of my favorite songs is by a, a songwriter called Rich Mullins. Some of you guys might have heard some of his songs. But he's got a song called If I Stand. And I'm going to play it sometime. It's one of his songs I figured out. And it used to make me cry all the time because it hit so clearly into you know, my humanity and my desire to be holy and to follow God and my failure often to do so. And the chorus says this, if I stand, let me stand on the promise that you will pull me through. And if I can't, Sorry, there's a, yeah, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you. There's that, right? If I stand, let me stand on the promise that you will pull me through. And if I can't stand, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you. So we're going to go to communion as a way of responding. For those of you who desire to offer up your life again to Christ, even if that just simply means the very first little step, we invite you to come forward in your own time. There'll be a couple of folks back here, uh, Scott and Wendy, myself and Peter will be down here. In your own time, come forward and take the piece of bread and a little cup to remember what this great high priest has done for us, along with all the people around the world who did this today. That's beautiful, isn't it? Affirming universally that we are loved. And then hold it together, and we'll take it together in a minute. So just take your time. Uh, when you're ready, come forward. For uh, communion today, we're going to read together, if you are willing, um, to affirm a confession, which is a very, very ancient confession, one of the earliest ones about which the entirety of the church was in agreement. It's been, you know, in the church there's been a lot of disagreement about certain things. We asked why you have that over there in, in essentials unity and non-essentials liberty, all things love. There are a lot of non-essential things that, that uh, Christians who follow Jesus uh, disagree on, right? And that's part of our human weakness, right? One day we're all going to be fully in unity and agreement, uh, but there are some things that, that make us Christian and, and the early apostles and others and then the church affirmed this. So what we'll do is uh, we will begin reading this and then we will take a pause um, after a, a point and take the bread, and then we'll finish reading it, and then we'll take the, uh, the cup. If you're able, could you stand uh, with me? This is the Nicene Creed. Let's read together. And invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate, he suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. 
He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. Let's take the bread together. And let's continue. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. Let's take the cup. Thanks be to God for his glorious riches in Christ, which is for us. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And not only that, but some of you folks in here have told me so, and I believe you, and you've lived through some things, and you've seen his grace and mercy. We testify to that together today. We're going to sing a song now, and once again, there is a confession in here which says, oh, what a savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before him for he is Lord. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Let's worship together our great king.